This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. One of the most difficult topics to discuss with a person who has been enslaved by the clutches of a religious cult is separation. <clears throat> to the program Cult Mind, separation is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. If you try to show them the harm in separation, they'll just puff out their chest and proudly display their cult pride in knowing that they are a separate people. Since SeekYeTheTruth.com first started in February 2012, we've came in contact with several ministers who are starting to open their eyes and they're walking away from the cult of William Branham. The very strange thing about their exodus is the similarities between all of their stories. As ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very first thing that God plants in your heart is... Well, the gospel. You want to spread it as far and as wide as you possibly can. You want to show others how the scriptures are being opened to you and how that you are able to see how all roads of the Bible point directly back to Jesus Christ. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, all roads in the Bible point to Jesus Christ. The problem is that in the cult... Some of these roads were supposed to point to William Branham. The lamb that the Bible says opened the seals when no one was worthy, well, that lamb was supposed to be William Branham. In Malachi, he's not describing a direct pathway that led to Christ, as the Bible teaches. The cult teaches you that that was leading to William Branham. And that whole son of man thing in Luke 17.30, yeah, that was supposed to be Branham also. Ministers who poured out their hearts unto God so that God would give them the knowledge of the scriptures were often frowned upon because the conclusions that God led them to did not match the conclusions that William Branham implied in his sermons. Therefore, if you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the cult, you were looked at as though you were a minister of the devil. 
Spiritual experiences were blessed in public but condemned in private. If that pastor had an ex a spiritual experience that from the scriptures and not from the words of the false prophet, from the scriptures pointed to Christ, you better watch out. One minister told me his conversion story to Christ. It was nothing less than astounding. Yet the elders in the church did not want to receive the blessing that God had given him to give them as a testimony to their church. And the worst part, that is just within the cult. Take that to a much, much broader scale. Compare the many, many wonderful things that Christ is doing to his children around the world. Take the many people that God has led through a hardship or through a sickness and watch them give the glory to God. But let them try to witness to a William Branham cult slave and you'll be hearing things like, Oh, did you see that hair? Or professing to be a Christian and wearing those blue jeans. Don't they know the Bible says not to wear a garment that pertains to a man? It's funny when your eyes finally open and you, you realize that breeches were originally a woman's garment. I think God up in heaven must have a great sense of humor because he's sitting there and people place themselves under this bondage and oppression and he must be sitting up there in heaven getting a few chuckles over the silliness. Why, look at that little Billy down there calling the other men sissies for wearing shorts. I'll bet they get a great laugh when they find out he's wearing them too. <laughs> but see, the Bible does teach separation. Don't get me wrong. But it teaches separation from idolatry, not from other Christians. That is the very, very thing that Paul condemned. The children of Israel were called to be a separate holy people not like the people practicing with human sacrifice and homosexual temple prostitution, and more. Cult pastors enslave you to the law, and they don't even realize what they are doing. As they pick and choose which of the old covenant laws that they want to impose on their churches, they have chosen law over grace. Paul teaches freedom from sin and from slavery, unmerited favor in Jesus Christ. While William Branham preached many times that Christians must forfeit their rights, Paul teaches freedom. Take Galatians 5 as an example. Paul says, look, I, Paul, say to, the, to you that if you accept circumcision, one of the laws, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Let me reread that. If you accept circumcision, one of the laws, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. Think of this. Circumcision is one little tiny portion of that law. And these cult pastors try to enforce portions of that same law. And by just accepting one little portion, that means that you are obligated to keep the whole law. 
Guess what happens when you accept law over grace? Paul continues to say, you are severed from Christ, cut off. You who would be justified by the law have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Yet it's part of the law. Paul says, but only faith working through love. Paul hits the very heart of the matter. Faith working through love, not law, not rules, not forfeiting your freedom as William Branham tried to shove down your throats. Branham's ministry had fallen from grace. To the Galatians, Paul was shocked. Why would they want to even impose these laws on themselves? He asked them. He said, you are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. How many times have you heard that? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It means that if you get one little person from the hills of Kentucky who is preaching that you got to obey that law and that law, let's skip that one, that law, that law, let's skip that one. A little leaven levels the, leavens the whole lump. You have to be filled with the law or you have to accept grace. Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you, think of this, the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Listen to the difference between what Paul just said in his message of freedom and Branham's message of bondage. 1965, Branham says this, The lamb is the kind of animal that won't get back. I just wonder. A lamb is not fussy. A lamb is a forfeited animal. You take a lamb, he has wool on him. And that's his God-given rights. God gave him the wool, that's his, but he's willing to lay a shearing block and have every bit of it sheared off of him. And he won't kick and fuss about it, just lay up there and put the loops around his legs. And he lays there and you take from him everything that he has and he forfeits it without murmuring about it. He says, I wonder today, you're supposed to be lambs of God. You try to cross up one time and watch how much lamb you are. Oh my, talking about the church kicking up a fuss. Well, I'll tell you, let something happen wrong in the church. Well, I'll just quit right now and go over down to join the Methodists. Think of the pride in that statement. Yes, sir, I don't have to put up with that. That shows what you're made of. This is sickening. Sickening. We are sons and daughters of the king. That makes us princes and princesses, heirs to the heavenly throne. And he's wanting to put us in slavery. He wants us to be bound like slaves out in the stable. God did not call a bunch of slaves. God called us out of slavery, out of bondage. Why did Christ come if we're supposed to be bound to the law? Why did he have to fulfill the part of the covenant? Those of you with the program responses, I can feel it right now going in my head. I'm sure you've got them going through your mind. 
stop for just a moment. Take out those Christian forfeits the right scriptures that have been twisted out of context for just a moment. And listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Did Paul just say he, they were called to forfeit their rights? He said, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. We're free. We are free to do whatever we want, but Paul warns us, don't misuse our freedom. Don't do it as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to serve one another. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one single word. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but you bite and you devour one another. Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Branham not only bit, he cut off. In his bondage bride ministry, the example we just gave, Branham used the Methodists, other Christians, as an example, a, a negative example. In one single paragraph, he severed the body of Christ, he cut off the hand, which were the Methodists, and he called everyone who did not follow his lies and his deceit, he called them cowards. Yet he was trying to enslave you into being cowards. Many say that we need to just spit out the cherry seed. Eat the rest of William Branham's cherry pie. It tastes great. But what if that seed is raw, slimy sewage? Not only does it make you sick, it makes you die spiritually. If you throw out the garbage that's on those tapes and you start reading the real voice of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, the Bible, you'll quickly find that Branham was just one of many in a lineup of wolves. Having a spirit with one sole purpose, one sole purpose to sever the body of Christ. One of my favorite scriptures after escaping the cult of William Branham is Colossians 2. The words seem to be screaming, flee for your lives, William Branham is coming. But having studied all of the men that William Branham himself studied, like Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell, having their teachings in my mind from this Branham guy, I realized that this is not just a man cutting off the hand of the body of Christ. It is a demon. Probably the same one that William Branham described in his room as looking like Ali Oop. <laughs> in Colossians 2, Paul says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Ignore that false prophet telling you not to drink wine. Jesus did it. What did they drink at the Last Supper? It was the number one drink in the Bible, the number one favorite. Forget about that nonsense that Branham claiming the Zodiac was the first Bible. That has nothing to do with Christ. Ignore the new moons, the festivals. Paul says these are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ.
And here we go. I actually, <laughs> this next verse, I call my William Branham verse. I look at the scriptures and I see this graffiti in my mind saying Branham was here. <laughs> Let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Tell me that doesn't sound familiar. Let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Then he says, comma, going on in detail about visions. How many times do we see this? I did this. I saw that. I did this. I saw that. I did this. Puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Paul says not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and through its ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. This guy prayed to his angel. He insisted that we live ascetic lives, forfeiting our rights bound to the law. He insisted that we forfeit grace and follow the portions of the law, not the whole law, but the portions that he tried to enforce. Then he didn't enforce the rest of them. Condemn the people to hell by denying them grace and by them not keeping the whole entire law. This is how you get sent to hell. You're either going to accept grace or you're going to keep the law and you're going to keep all of the law. Satan knows this. It's a secret, but it's a secret that's in the Bible if you just read it. Paul continues, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, these angels on the platform, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit yourself to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Do not watch movies. Do not drink wine. Touch not the things of the world. Not wear blue jeans. If we died to these things, what does it matter? Every single law, every one of them, that William Branham pushed in his agenda were superficial things, not from the heart. Nothing to do with change of the heart, mostly with just change of the wardrobe. It's easier to be separate when you look like you're separated. But see, all of these things, all of these things in our wardrobes are going to decay when we die. They're not going to last forever. Our souls will not decay. Paul continues, referring to the things that perish as they are used. Meaning, these people that come up saying, do not touch, do not taste, do not feel. They're all referring to things on the outside of our body like William Branham did. According, Paul says, according to human precepts and teachings. Don't wear earrings. It's one of the doctrines in the Bible. And one of the doctrines in the cult. In the Bible, the bride of Christ wore earrings. This is the perfect example of a human precept and a human teaching. Paul says they have indeed an appearance of wisdom. They look like they're smart. But Paul says they are promoting self-made religion and asceticism 
and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. When you wear earrings and you go out in public, is that going to change your life one way or the other? Ask yourselves. If you paint a little lipstick on your makeup and you dress yourself up pretty like Esther in the Bible did, is that going to send you to hell? Or does hell come from a change in the heart? Can I save myself from hell by not wearing these little things on my ears? Or do I have to have a change in heart to look to Christ? We were all called to one body. We were all called into the body of Christ. There will be people from every nation, every race, every religion that has produced a soul that has surrendered their heart and soul and mind to Jesus Christ. If you think that you're the only ones there, you're going to get a shock when you get there. The things of this world do not matter. Paul says that we have died and our lives are hidden with God. When Christ returns, we are hidden in Him, yet we will return with Him. Why do we listen to some guy who's lying about most of his life, hiding from something in his past, just because he said that we should forfeit our rights. Why do we listen to it? And especially when Paul says that we were called to freedom and that the person who says this is going to suffer the consequences. You hold the key, not the jailer. You have the perfect setup. You have the key in your hands. The warden died in a nasty car wreck in 1965. He's dead. He's gone. And the jailers can only say what some little dead guy said back in 1965. They can only say what he said on recorded tape. Their mouths are bound to this cult. They can't say what's coming from the heart, what God is trying to put on their hearts as ministers of the gospel. They can only say what is on the magnetic tape because they have forfeited their rights. That means that you control your own handcuffs. You can be bound all you want, but you have the, the key to your handcuffs. You have the ability to accept grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Accept it for yourselves. You also have the ability to deny grace if you want to. You have the ability to deny grace and accept the law that William Branham tried to impose. But remember, Paul says that if you do, then you must keep the whole law. Even the parts about stoning your children when they disobey, you've got to keep that part. Take those keys to the handcuffs in your hand and make the decision. Do I want them to stay on or do I want to serve Jesus Christ? Do I want to accept the grace of Jesus Christ? Make your decision. Oh.